Do you ever have those moments where you sit down and wonder, is social media even working? Or are you tired of guessing what strategies and campaigns you should try next because you're not sure what worked in the past? Today on the show, I sat down with special guest Natasha Vorompovia, and we chat all about marketing metrics and why they matter. Welcome to the Savvy Social Podcast, a show dedicated to passion-led entrepreneurs and business owners just like you who want to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I am fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why to social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. Now, this show is brought to you by Fan Booster by Traject, which is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to scheduling, managing, and especially reporting on social media. Try them out for yourself for free by clicking the link in my show notes or in the description of this video. I'm thrilled to share Natasha's ideas with you today. Now, Natasha is a metrics whisperer and founder of Systems Rock. She determines the 1% that will make a 99% difference in your business. Natasha optimizes her clients' measurements marketing system so that they can have surgical precision over their marketing and can adjust the dial to get to that seven or eight figures with less hassle and guesswork. By partnering with her, Natasha's clients grow their business in an intentional and predictable way and have certainty in what tomorrow holds. And in this episode, we talk about how Natasha considers herself the oracle of marketing, which is actually a very accurate description of what she does. We talk about how the customer journey plays a role in your marketing metrics. And we talk about when you should start measuring your marketing, because not all businesses need complex systems right out of the gate. But first, I want to talk about what's new inside of the Savvy Social School. This past month, we introduced our content creation co-working hours. You guys are loving them. Uh, If you're not a member of the school, definitely join us. We work together on our social media content. Also, because we feel like we're not alone in this great big wide world as business owners, but also we're making a date with ourselves every single week, every single Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time to work on our social media posts for the next week. Upcoming in November, we have our 2021 planning session. I know it feels kind of weird to plan 2021 when 2020 was kind of one for the books, but we want to sit down and be intentional about our marketing efforts for next year. So we're having a special 90-minute session to walk you through planning out the next year. I'm going to give you my strategies for planning the year, which will really help inform the content that you create over the next 12 months. We also have a special guest Q&A with Julie, my resident Facebook ad strategist. She's absolutely fantastic. She runs my ads, my clients' ads, and you get the opportunity to pick her brain. So definitely stay tuned for that. And lastly, we have a new done-for-you content bundle coming to the school. This one's for parenting brands. So if you're a mommy blogger, if you're a therapist for parents, if you have a food blog teaching kids how to eat better, if you speak to parents in any way, way. This done-for-you content bundle is for you. It includes captions, templates, graphics, swipe files, all of the things you need to be successful at sharing your ideas and concepts on social media. 
So join us if you haven't already in the Savvy Social School. We have a lot of fun over there. I'll see you there. But without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Natasha Vorompiova. Hey, Natasha, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm so very happy to be here. Thank you. Yes. Like you are super smart. I remember a conversation that we had probably over a year ago. And I remember just leaving that conversation thinking like, oh, I need more Natasha in my life. Uh, Also, (laughs) you're just an amazing connector. I feel like you've connected me with so many amazing people. So thank you for that, saying that publicly here on air. But one of the things that I want to start with is your story, your journey. How did you get into this business building world? (laughs) My goodness, it feels like I've been on this journey forever. It started shortly after um, I had my son and like many mothers, I chose to stay at home and raise him instead of spending a lot of time in traffic trying to get to work. And that's when I embarked on the journey of having a business working from home. And in the beginning, there was like so much to learn and just like so much to wrap my head around. And one of the things that I struggled with in the very, very beginning was systems and structures. And I couldn't figure out why I was struggling with that because I've been a project manager uh, or managing projects when I was in the corporate world. So I was just like, completely baffled by what was happening. And once I started following other successful business owners and listening to their podcasts, I realized that the secret was in systems and structures and that systems, it, it wasn't something that had to be this big, bulky, kind of conveyor belt-like kind of thing. It can be simply checklists that you follow when when you do things. And that kind of opened my world to this uh, realization that I can actually do that for myself. And I was so excited about it that I started doing it for uh, others too. So my original idea of being this marketing consultant turned into a systems consultant just because I wanted to get better at systems for myself. And that's what I've been doing for, my goodness, like maybe six, seven years. And it was very fun and very interesting just because I'm so natural, turns out, <laughs> on creating systems. It, was, it, it is like something I can do in my sleep because I can, like, I am a person who will color code clothes in her closet. And I'm naturally someone whose son, like when he was my goodness like he was four and he was getting ready for his tennis lesson i was in the living room and he was with his dad on the way out and i overheard him talking to himself um um, he was he was saying to himself um racket check uh bottle of water check kiss mama goodbye check i'm just like oh my god it's just like okay I either did something very right with this child or something very very wrong maybe I broke him or something but anyway it, it turned out okay he's just like very much structured like just um, as I am so that that worked out 
as I was working on systems for my clients, like I kept coming across this system um, specifically about measuring results and measuring what works in your business so that we know what other systems to create. Because what, we, what would happen a lot of times is that somebody would come to me and they would say that, okay, like these are the systems I need. We would create those systems. And then after a while, they would just stop using them or they would become obsolete just because it was not something that they needed in their business and I could not figure out like what I was missing and why we would do this extra work that was not necessary in the end and after examining that I realized that what is happening a lot of times is that we like online business owners uh, don't really pay as much attention to numbers and data and that that is because in the beginning when we start look, we do everything and there is no time for it plus in the beginning we experiment and we do all these different things so things change very quickly but then we get into this habit of kind of guessing what to do or having this anecdotal um, evidence of what works and we don't really rely on data and because we build our decisions on guesses and hunches naturally we guess what systems we would need or what we need to kind of work on the, on our, in our business. And then in the end, when things don't actually work that way, because we don't have uh, numbers, like past data to tell us what we actually need to be doing more of, like those systems would get obsolete. I gradually kind of changed the direction of our services from doing this all kind of systems and just about any systems any system to just focusing on measurement marketing because to me this is one of the core systems that allows business owners to see in what direction to move and what to do because marketing plays such an integral role in our businesses and once i shifted in that direction i realized that i just found my new love because it was so amazing to be working with numbers to actually look at trends and patterns to actually be almost as the oracle for my clients because once um, you see these numbers once you see the patterns you can easily predict what is going to happen and that that is such an amazing like place to be in when you can tell your client okay like this is what we should do in order to hit your goals instead of going from okay i'm launching like let me have this as a goal for this launch and that number being just okay like it, it would be nice to hit that goal and it's totally different approach but when you know what you need to do in order to hit that launch and when you have all these kind of like milestones that lead to that it's you have so much more power, you have so much more control. And that to me gives so much satisfaction. So that's, that's my journey in like five minutes. <laughs> I love this. Okay. When you said that you were the Oracle of this, of your clients' businesses, that to me helped clarify a lot of what you do because it is almost intangible. It is hard to even justify or pay attention to because it's so behind the scenes. And I know this just personally from my own journey 
you know, being in social media, doing this for my clients and uh, coaching my students, uh, it's fun to create graphics and to post things on social media, but you kind of have to dig into the metrics and the data and be able to see, okay, this is what worked in the past or this is what didn't work. And it informs what you can do going forward. So I love that you really have specialized in that because it is such a powerful outlook. And I, I would consider myself one of those people who said previously, I don't like the numbers. But honestly, once you start digging into them, you can't help but like what you see. You can't help but be feel good about the information that you have. So for those people who are listening, who are like, I hear you, Natasha. I understand that I should be looking at these metrics. What's a good place for them to start when it comes to analyzing their marketing systems and metrics and, and how do they, like, like, where do they start with like digging into all of this data? Yeah, it is such a great question because what I would like to address first is why we get in that overwhelmed place in the first place and why we don't like numbers. And yes, some business owners are more comfortable with with numbers, some less. That's perfectly natural. But the overwhelm actually comes not from this aversion to numbers or hate for spreadsheets. (laughs) It is because there are just a lot of times there are like much more numbers that we need to look at because every single platform, social media or any software, um, it comes usually with a dashboard of sorts that shows you metrics or you can get access to these numbers. So there, there are plenty of numbers to look at. But the challenge is that what do you actually look at? What numbers do you pay attention to? That's why it gets so challenging and overwhelming because you look at what. Facebook shows you, and then you look at what uh, Instagram shows you, or Pinterest, or any other platform, or even your email marketing tool. But then you you see all these numbers, but you are never comparing apples to apples. It's kind of like there's a bunch of numbers here, a bunch of numbers there. How do you make sense of all that? Naturally, I I used to get overwhelmed. Uh, so it's now the only reason why it makes sense to me and why I got sucked into this and I love it so much is because the very first step is to actually make sure that your numbers tell you a story. Only when your numbers tell you a story, then you can read it and you can understand what's happening and you don't feel overwhelmed. You don't feel that, am I missing something? Like, what am I looking at? Like, wh- why is this important? What, what is important? The place that I usually start with my clients, and this is something that like, any one of your listeners can do to kind of just like lessen the overwhelm around marketing in general, is like map out their customer journey. And it's, it, it sounds maybe a bit jargony, but it is quite simple. It's if like, you take your, your customer and then look at how do you first, like, how your customers become aware of you, aware of your work? Where do they hang out to find out about you? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's organic. Maybe um, you do paid advertising. There can be a bunch of different ways that um, you do it. Maybe you, um, you have free eBooks. Maybe you have different opt-ins. So that is kind of like top of the funnel that allows like, your audience to find out that you exist, basically. And then the second part is the type of content that actually 
allows your people to see, oh, um, I get that you can solve my problem. Let me hang around and I, I want to hear more from you. So it's all these different types of content that engage your uh, lead now in a conversation about, okay, this is what the problem looks like. like these are different options to solve it. Like, this is the ways that you can um, do it without me. These are different ways that uh, you can do it with, with my help. So it's that like, an engagement piece. And then the last part is what is that conversation that you have with your uh, leads, with your audience to uh, convince them to buy or how you offer them to buy something from you. So it's basically awareness, engagement, and that the buying decisions, that uh, decision that you lead them to. Uh, and this is kind of like very, very rough for that customer journey. So um, if our listeners want to do this exercise, and it can be as simple as like you can take, you, you take a bunch of post-it notes and kind of like on each one, put these different ways that you bring people in, the way that you engage them and the way that you ask of them to buy from you. And then once you have that customer journey, you can see, okay, so these are these different things that I do. How can I figure out which one of these different marketing channels actually brings people to me, but people who actually buy? So we're not talking about just about anyone. We're talking about people to buy. And depending on these different marketing channels you have, you will be able to come up with a list of questions that you can ask to decide, like, will this allow me to see whether this person is buying at the end of the day or not? So it is not about metrics. In the beginning, it is about kind of questions. What is that customer journey? And what numbers or what questions will allow me to see whether they are uh, making that buying decisions at the end? I find this fascinating and I love the idea of the customer journey because I think it kind of brings us back to why we're doing this in the first place. I think sometimes when we're looking at marketing metrics, we start looking at things like followers and engagement and we get lost in that like vanity metric spiral. When you lay it out like this, like starting with that customer journey, it brings us back to why we're even showing up online in the first place. So I really like that. So let's say we are asking ourselves these questions and we figure out that, you know, the right kind of clients search for us on YouTube, watch a video, sign up for our email list, and then they buy. So in that process, how do we then like what are what are we measuring? Is it are we then measuring for YouTube views or like how do we how do we take all that information and do something with it? Yeah, absolutely. And here you can uh, do it in a couple of ways. One, you can so if you know that you are uh, YouTube people, for example, before somebody buys, they can fill out the form and they tell you that they found you through YouTube. So you know that YouTube actually works as this channel that brings you the buyers. What you do is you look at these individual steps of that, of that funnel. So you break it down even further. So you can take other uh, color of post-it notes and break it down even further to see what actually happens on that individual journey. 
So when somebody finds you on, on YouTube, most likely what you will want to see if YouTube people uh, are your people, the number of views uh, that, that you get. Um, so that you have an approximate number of like, okay, like what, what is happening with, with my videos. What you might also look for is what videos are, uh, get most views so that you could create more content um, of that kind. You will most likely experiment with uh, giving them a call to action and you will see, okay, what call to action actually works as a result of what like, video content I get most subscribers to my email list. So all of that will give you a bit of a sense of, okay, what I need to do more of. Because at the end of the day, again, we're not looking at any available metric to us. Every time you try on what number to track, you should always ask yourself, okay, if I know this number, what will it be, uh, I be able to do with it? Like, will I actually be able to take any kind of action based on this number so like going back to like likes or number of followers if if i can take certain action based on that if it will allow me to make a decision that i want to make great let's measure it if not just step away from that number you, you don't need it but say um in order for us to see how people engage with our videos uh we will track the number of videos that get most views videos that get most subscribers and then from there you will move to your um, email list okay so like, these people came from youtube what kind of emails are they opening what kind of calls to action they actually um, react best you can actually measure in an email which link somebody clicked and they uh, and if they bought or not so you will be able to measure that so effectiveness of the email if that's your next step from there like we talk about buying but buying usually happens when you send them to either cart directly or landing page and then they can go to cart so there again you break it down further and you look at how many people actually went to that landing page i send them to from an email that uh, was sent to a youtube listener how many people went through that landing page to the cart how many people actually completed that checkout and bought the product and the reason why it is so important to know these individual kind of steps and metrics for each one of them is because when you have it mapped out and if you begin tracking it you will know your own benchmarks you will know what works for you you will know how your audience reacts and behaves on each every step or phase and from there you will be able to see okay like this number looks quite small or if you you if you're not sure in the beginning you can even experiment okay like for me to ascend to make sure that more people come from an email to this landing page like let me experiment with this or let me do like something um different and then you will experiment with just this number so you're not changing the entire thing and you are not kind of looking um, trying to decide like, what to do you take a very very focused action and you look at how uh the rest uh, of the like puzzle piece pieces react to that then it becomes like one much more interesting two it's it's focused action and then if you do it for a while and if you track it for a while the moment one of the numbers goes lower 
than your, your usual number. You know, like, okay, like that's where uh, the chain broke. That's what I need to address instead of, okay, I had my YouTube visitors and they were buying and buying and buying and all of a sudden they stopped buying. If you have not been tracking anything, you have no idea. Like we just like looked at so many things that happened along the way. You don't know whether you need to fix your emails, whether uh, you stopped producing content that actually uh, produces that email subscribers, whether your landing page stopped working, whether like, something else. Like, you have no idea. And that's why we spin our wheels not knowing what to do. And marketing, again, becomes so overwhelming because, okay, it was working, but now like, should I just give up on YouTube? Should I try to fix it? But if I try to fix it, like, what do I fix? So that's why it's, it's so interesting and fun and valuable <laughs> to, to track uh, these uh, parts and pieces. Yes. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that we first map out the customer journey and then we can decide which metrics along the way bring the right people in. And then from there, we can start playing around with some of those and try to change them. So in that process of testing, is there a like a, a certain amount of time we should spend testing some of these metrics? How do we approach that testing phase? It really depends on your business and the amount of traffic that comes through that smaller funnel. Because if you have like a volume of people that goes through the funnel, you will be able to see within the next few days. But if um, you have a fewer number of people, if it's the type of funnel that doesn't have the volume. For example, with, with YouTube, if you have plenty of people who follow uh, or subscribe to your channel, you will be able to see quite quickly. But if it's a different business that is tracking number of requests for a free application uh, or a free diagnostic call, for example, most likely the volume will be much lower. So you will need a bit more time to actually figure out whether something works or doesn't work. So it's, it's difficult to, uh, to tell, but uh, you, will, you will basically see based on, on the amount of people you take through that funnel. Like that will be your best indicator. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I know, I know yeah. there is no black and white answer. Yeah. And, you know, businesses are complex and complicated and they're all different. So I, I'll, accept, I'll accept that answer. As a business owner, I hear what you're saying and I go, this sounds great. And it also sounds like a lot of work. So what kind of tools do you have in your toolbox to help us with this entire process? I know before this call, we talked about some dashboards and things. So can you tell us how do we organize all of these ideas? It is a great, great question. And yes, there is a number of tools that allow you to see at a glance what is happening. However, the question that I would ask before that, and for our listeners, if this is something that they ask themselves first, is what kind of setup would be most helpful to them at this stage uh, they're at right now? Because my clients usually fall into two categories and that, that this is what I see. For smaller businesses and businesses that are still in that like, testing phase, it might not be such a good idea to create anything complex or anything that um, you spend a lot of time kind of configuring something that pulls numbers. If you know that you're still testing your funnel or you are still testing different marketing channels, um, it might be best to track numbers 
manually or have some kind of setup that allows you to see these numbers, but it, it's something that can be changed really quickly. So for this group of business owners, I would advise them to um, use um, either a spreadsheet or something that pulls numbers in. What I create for, uh, for my clients, and again, like our listeners can do it as well, once we've decided what kind of metrics they want to track, if they do it manually, um, I would just create a Google form for them with the uh, with the list of these metrics that they will be tracking and ask them to do it on a weekly basis at the very least they have to do it regularly so that these numbers uh, populate and they can see trends and then when they track those numbers and when they do it using google form first of all they can easily delegate that to, to an assistant the moment the assistant knows okay like these are the numbers i'm looking for right they enter it on a regular basis and the business owner just looks at the data but then it doesn't have to be spreadsheet all the time because i know that like not everybody likes spreadsheets um, at the end of the day, what, what I do with my clients, those clients who do not like spreadsheets, we actually take that data out of the spreadsheet and visualize it for them on the dashboard while they're still tracking it manually. But then again, if, if things are changing very rapidly in your business, try and work with, with that spreadsheet. You will be able, like, when you see those numbers, you will be able to see trends. You will be able to see what is, what is happening. And when you're tracking just the numbers that matter, to you, it will not be very overwhelming as kind of like looking at just like piles of numbers, image specific too. However, if your business is at the stage is that, okay, I sell this group program, for example, and I like this is my funnel, we can still tweak things, but for the most part, like this is the funnel and I'm at the point where I, I want to refine things. I want to make sure that uh, this funnel works as efficiently as possible then it might make sense to actually build something more robust that one pulls data automatically but then allows you to see a much more refined picture and what allows you to do that are tools like google analytics or google tag manager uh, tools that allow you to put this tracking code on each step of the funnel so that you can see this entire customer journey at a glance and it's actually tracks the entire journey versus having these gaps because sometimes um, like some tools um, it might be a bit more difficult to put the tracking code on them or if for example teachable it doesn't allow to put a tracking code on um, on it so like, there might be some gaps so you have to find these workarounds and if if your business is ready to have this more robust setup it is actually possible and then you get this a dashboard that shows you that funnel like the way it works and all these conversion rates at every sta stage if you know your benchmarks you can even color code it to tell you when it drops below a certain number or jumps above certain numbers so that it becomes super super visual and that's what uh, what is so addictive about these dashboards because instead of kind of looking at a bunch of numbers you look at visual representation of your funnel and you can clearly see what parts are working and what parts um, are not working and then again going back to overwhelm there is no overwhelm because you know what needs to be fixed if anything or what you want to try optimize your entire team sees the entire funnel so instead of facebook ads team like doing this and like trying to optimize something here 
and then your copywriter is trying to optimize them somewhere over here, they can actually all have this single view of how things work and figure out, okay, what are we actually testing? What are we trying? What part doesn't work as well as it should? So there are a couple of options basically, but it's, it's possible to create something visual that is not overwhelming. I'm geeking out about all of this because I have been trying to figure this out for a while for myself, and I have this in different ways in different places in my business, but I really like the idea of making sure that everything um, kind of flows together. And so I, I really like that concept. And I would say there's quite a few people listening I know who are social media managers and agency owners who can definitely set this up for their clients and help their clients be more successful for this. But for those listeners who are maybe newer in the business, when, when at what stage should, should they start building out these dashboards? I know you kind of mentioned that you know, if you're newer and you're testing things out, you may not want to build out this complex system. And I can attest to that. I hired what at one point a, a person to come in and write all these SOPs for my business that were just outdated by like six months because things exactly. change so quickly. Yeah. Um, so uh, how do we know when we're ready for kind of building out some of these dashboards and things? You're, you're so right, because this, this is something that um, I saw with, with my systems clients as well, <laughs> their business, because in the beginning, I would, I would tell them, yes, you have to create systems, the earlier, the better, and then they realized that that is so not true. In the beginning, one, you don't have time, two, things are changing way too fast. So similar situation happens with, with these dashboards. So I would suggest in the very beginning, tracking it manually uh, until you have built this funnel that is more or less works consistently and you are ready to kind of step back and watch what's happening. Um, because what I find what happens with businesses and like, we can even uh, look, uh, apply the same uh, trajectory basically to sales funnels as well is that in the beginning we are trying and testing and adding things in and it's kind of just like this mad scientist like okay like if they keep i put a bit here of, of this and a bit of that and then like, like try and shake it <laughs> but then at some point things start working and you realize that okay now for me to know how well this works i no longer need to add things I need to start, start sub subtracting things. And it's like you can apply this to an entire business because like in the beginning, we're just kind of like, oh, like, if I do this and I do that, and like I do it this way and I do it that way. And then you step back and I'm just like, okay, now I feel a bit more grounded. I know that I have a service or product that sells. Uh, I know kind of like what things like at the core work. So let me start removing things that are not really adding much value. So when you're at that stage, when you can step back, look at things a bit more objectively and start, and you're ready to start refining things in your business and in your funnel, that's the time to create the dashboard. That's the time to actually create a more robust setup that will allow you to give, um, allow you to have that at a glance view so that you could see, okay, these things are redundant and these things um, I should actually keep. This part works well, and this part we can actually play a bit further with to optimize it even further. 
Yes. Okay, great. I love that advice. The advice of taking a step back and seeing what you can subtract. I think that oftentimes, especially as new business owners, we kind of try all of the things. And so I like that at some point you've got to step back and refine. I feel that pain because I am there now. And as a person who likes to create things, sometimes it hurts a little bit to like remove things that aren't working, but it's important for the growth of the business. So thank you. I appreciate that. So for those people who are listening and they want to connect with you more, give yourself a shout out. Tell us a a bit about your work and how they can find out more about you. Thank you. Uh, So my business is called Systems Rock. So you can just uh, come to the website and take a look. And in terms of services, it's basically uh, what we do for clients falls into categories. We work with uh, smaller businesses who want to still track their numbers manually, but want to have a visual for how things work. So they're committed to tracking their numbers themselves, but we can definitely create this really uh, great visual of the funnel that they have or graphs and charts that will allow them to see how their traffic works and what, like, how their traffic converts. So we can do it for them. That, that's a bit simpler setup. And we also work with clients who are ready for a bit more robust automated setup uh, where like, we would go, we would ensure that uh, there is tracking the entire customer journey and those numbers get pulled automatically and the dashboard shows just the metrics and numbers that you want to see something will allow you to see um, how healthy your funnel is, like how your um, funnel actually performs, how you get that end result, like how do you actually sell that number of programs or, or number of products um, that you sell so that we could uh, then work back and figure out, okay, if this is how your funnel works, we can actually calculate what you need to do on a regular basis in order to hit a higher goal and a higher goal and a higher goal. Then you, then it becomes like your work and your team's work become even more focused because you know what metrics you have to hit internally for each individual step. And then it stops being a guess guessing game then it's just like okay i know what i need to do and each team member like knows what they need to do they they look at their number and then uh the number of sales becomes what you projected and then there is your control and predictability something that we all strive for Okay. I love that. Definitely check out Natasha's work, systemsrock.com. I'll put all of the links in the show notes or in the description of this video. Thank you so much, Natasha, for joining us today. This was such a great conversation. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Thank you for allowing me to geek out on this topic. That's uh, sometimes I feel that by be a bit overwhelming, but um, I think we made it super approachable for, for our listeners today. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us for this fantastic episode with Natasha. Wasn't that amazing? All of her links are in the show notes, you guys. Definitely go check her out. Check out her website, systemsrock.com. She's got some dashboards that she's going to share with us. She kind of mentioned them in today's episode. So you want to go and check those out as well. Very generous of her to gift those to us. So thank you, Natasha, for showing up and showing out. Before you go, I do want to extend a special gift to you that popped into my head as I was interviewing Natasha. 
I have a recording of a social media sales funnel masterclass, previously only in the vault inside of the Zabby Social School, but I want to gift it to you for listening today. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, but it really fits in so well. And so if you're looking for a tangible social media metrics that you can measure at each phase of that customer journey of the sales funnel, check out this hour-long masterclass. Again, the link is in the show notes or the description. Take a look. Let me know what you think. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the show. I love your support. I love you little listeners. Make sure you share, review, subscribe. We are solidly in the top 100 marketing podcasts in the US and Canada and the UK now as well. Thank you for listening. I would not be here without your support and I appreciate you. Up next in episode 122, we're going to be talking about social media mindfulness during the election. And I know this is the US election. I'm Canadian. I have citizenship in both countries. However, this U.S. election affects all of us. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm feeling a bit heavy. So next week, we are going to be talking about how do we navigate this social media world as business owners, as content creators, while there is election currently happening. So stay tuned for that. I'll see you guys then. Bye for now.